Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. How about that? <laughs> amen, amen. I want to begin the message with a rather lengthy portion of Scripture, but if you'll bear with me, we're going to talk about who is this Jesus. Who is this Jesus? John 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe he was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spoke. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before him, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Let me go back through that just for a moment, because it's so easy to read that passage of Scripture and miss some of the things that it says about who Jesus is. First of all, he's the preexistent Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the personal Word. In verse 2 it says, the same was in the beginning with God. He is the creative word. It says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He's the life-giving word. John 1, 4 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's the light-giving word. And it says, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He's the illuminating word, for he was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. It says he's the saving word, but as many as received him to him, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He's the incarnate word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and beheld his, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's the gracious word, and of his fullness have all, we all received grace for grace. I want to say to you this morning, Jesus is the word of the living God. He is the son of the living God. He's the great I am. The book of Revelation says it this way. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as the flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 
Who is this Jesus? He's the Word of the living God. Amen. The Word first came to the prophets. Prophets like Enoch, Noah, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, Gideon, and Samson, and all the way down the line of the prophets to John the Baptist. For thousands of years, those prophets said these words, Thus saith the Lord. That was the words that the prophets used. Every prophet had a message. Every prophet had a word. They came in God's time on God's agenda and spoke the word of the living God. Often when we speak, or when they spoke, they did not understand what they were even talking about. They did not understand what the Spirit was saying through them because it was, it was prophetic. It was moving into the future. Through Enoch... Enoch spoke and said, I see the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. Through Noah, he spoke of restoration. Through Abraham, he spoke of blessings and blessing to the nations. Through Isaac, he spoke about abundance. Through Jacob, God spoke about a, a, a possession. Through Joseph, the Almighty God declared, I will bring you back to your land. And he fed the people through Joseph. Then Moses came, and Moses began to speak about deliverance. Every prophet had a message. Every prophet had a word. And putting all of those messages and all those words together, we come up with what's called the word of the living God. Men that lived throughout history, throughout thousands of years of history, spoke for God on God's agenda about the living word of God and how he would move in the earth. They all spoke the same thing. They were all fulfilling prophecy. Those words were spoken through prophets. They were spoken through patriarchs, prime ministers, builders, and fishermen. And it came all the way down through the line. But all together, when you take all of their messages, all the thus saith the Lord's, you come up with a perfect message of who Jesus is. No book on earth, no other book on earth other than the Bible can declare that it is the word of God. No other book can declare it is the Word of God. Proof that the Bible is the Word of the living God is found in one thing and one thing only, fulfilled prophecy. Say fulfilled prophecy. Unique among all the books ever written is the Bible. It accurately foretells every event in detail, many years, sometimes centuries, before those things actually occur. There's been approximately, and, I, and I'm not the scholar on this, but many scholars have looked at it, and they say there's over 2,500 prophecies concerning Christ in the Bible. Over 2,000 of those have already been fulfilled without even a smallest error. Perfectly fulfilled with no errors. Now there are a remaining few hundred that have not been fulfilled because they reach still into the future. Things that are yet to come. They're unfolding day by day, but they're being fulfilled accurately. Since the probability, let, let me try to break this down for you, of, of these prophecies having been fulfilled, the average of that actually happening would be less than 1 to 10. 1 in 10. Okay, it's, it's very, uh, they don't expect any of these prophecies to be fulfilled on their very own. But when you take all of these prophecies and you put them together 
and, and, and they, they're fulfilled not by chance, but, but by divine design. There's not an error in them. All of those prophecies have been fulfilled, not one error. They say that the probability of that happening is less than one in ten with that little 2,000 above it. So one with 2,000 zeros behind it. So what I'm trying to say to you today is you can stake your life on thus saith the Lord. Those prophecies are accurate. They've come to pass through centuries of time. They've been written by all kinds of men over hundreds of years. And there's not been yet one heir. These promises have been fulfilled that were spoken concerning Jesus. He did come as a baby and was born in Bethlehem. That was a prophecy and he fulfilled that. He fulfilled his ministry on the earth with healing and deliverance and all the wonderful things he did. He suffered for you and I, and he suffered a death and went to a cross and crucifixion. But we also know he rose from the dead, and many people saw him and his ascension. Not many people can fulfill those prophecies. Amen. One of these days, there's another prophecy that's going to be fulfilled. Jesus Christ will come back to this earth and rule and judge on this earth for over 1,000 years. He's on his way back. The same word that came on Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samson, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, and Zephaniah, or whichever one you want to call, that same word one day came upon a little woman, a little girl, 14 years old, by the name of Mary. It did not come to be spoken through her, but it came to be conceived in her. For the word was to be made flesh. It was to be made flesh. Now I want you to consider this with me for a moment. Everything Noah spoke, everything Joshua spoke, everything Abraham spoke, Gideon spoke, Isaac spoke, Moses spoke, Isaiah spoke, Everything that Ezekiel spoke, Zephaniah spoke, Daniel spoke, Amos spoke, Haggai spoke, everything they all spoke one day became a little teeny baby and the word of God was now in the flesh in Mary's womb. All of those prophecies, all of that power, for thousands of years people had been saying, thus saith the Lord. But now, for the very first time ever in human history, they would start to hear these words, verily, verily, I say unto you. No more thus saith the Lord, but now, verily, verily, I say unto you, now the word has become a man. It's no longer a spoken word, but now it's a living word. That word is now walking and talking and touching and healing and delivering and and helping people in their lives. When Mary brought forth the Son of the living God, she was holding an infant in her arms. But more accurately, if you really want to know the truth, she was not holding him. He was holding her. He's the word of God. He holds all things by the word of his power. Jesus went down to the temple. He was 12 years old, and he's with the highest scholastic rabbinic people there are. And he's down in the temple of Jerusalem, and he's discussing the law with those men and those scholars and those lawyers in the temple. He's 12. 
And they could not figure out how this 12-year-old boy had such knowledge about the Word of God. How could he be so knowledgeable to understand all of that? What they did not understand, he did not know the Word. He was the Word. Amen. One day he stood up and he said to those same folks, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now the reason they became so angry when he said that, they were so mad they wanted to kill him because he said that. And the reason for that is because in the tabernacle of Moses, there were three entrances. The gate was called by the rabbis and those in the, the leadership was called the way. The holy place was called the door. The door, the truth, okay? So, so that door was named, the, the, in the holy place there's this door and it's named the truth. And in the holy of holies there's a veil and it was called the life. And so when Jesus came along and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying I'm the gate to the tabernacle, I'm the door to the holy place, and I'm the veil to the holy of holies. Amen. They got so angry with him that they, 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 they got, how dare this man begin to say that he is the way into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is. How dare he say that? But I want to say to you today, Jesus is still the way, he is still the truth, and he's still the life, and no man can come to the Father but by him. You can't get to the Father through Krishna. You can't get through the Father through Buddha. You can't get through the Father through anybody but Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus was 30 years old, he met Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And all of a sudden he said something to them. He said, follow me. Now they did not understand who they were following. They felt the power of heaven. They felt God touched them and moved them so greatly that they followed him. But they did not understand they were following the very source of their existence. The very source of all that is. They were following that one. The Bible declares that one day Jesus stood up at Caesarea Philippi and he said, Whom do men say that I am? Well, the, the men said to him, his disciples said, Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're one of these other prophets. Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter got underneath the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God's presence came upon him. And he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. At that moment, Jesus looked at him and said, you're no longer going to be Simon, but you'll be Peter. Simon means a reed. Something that is influenced by every wind and every, every unstable motion. That reed, just, that reed just bends and goes any direction. What, if you're a cowboy, you hang out with the cowboys. A, a sports person, you flow with the sports people. You just flow with anybody you're with. And he says, but from now on, you're no longer going to be that unstable person. You're no longer going to be that one that changes day to day. But I'm going to call you Peter. And from this day on, upon this rock, upon that declaration that I am the son of the living God, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I will become so strong, so stable, and I'll begin to move through you. One, of the day, one day the disciples were following him and he was standing by a crowd and, 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 and they were, uh, who was arguing. And he made this statement to them. To that crowd that was arguing, 
before Abraham was, I am. Jesus never one time, never one time did Jesus ever say, I have life. He never one time said, I have power. He never one time said, I have truth. He only said, I am. I am. I am. I am power. I am life. I am truth. I am ever present. I am ever living. I have no beginning. I have no end. That'll mess you up. But that's what he stated. He stated that I am, and it made the Jews angry. How dare he say that he is the I am? Let me ask for a little audience participation here for a moment, okay? I'm going to say the wrong thing, but I want you to respond correctly. Jesus has life. There you got it. Jesus has power. Jesus has peace. Jesus has love. Jesus has eternal life. You get it? Jesus does not live in eternity, my friend. Eternity lives in him. I want you to hear that again. Jesus does not live in eternity. Eternity lives in him. Does Jesus Christ exist? No. You exist. I exist. He is existence. Amen. I want you to catch on to this. He doesn't live. He is life. He doesn't exist. He is existence. He is the source of all creation. All things that ever were came by and through and in him. Somebody say amen. There was a blind man one day. And the one who is saw the blind man in the crowd. And he collected, Jesus collected some mud. And he spit on it made a little wad of clay and he stuck it in that man's eyes now why did he stick mud in a man's eyes instead of just laying his hands on the man and praying well if you'll go back to the garden you'll find that God took the dust of the earth and he made and formed man into a shape out of the dust of the earth he breathed life into that being and that be that form and that form became a living being so the reason that Jesus put mud in this man's eyes is not because the man was blind, but because the man had no eye. He made an eye. And then he breathed upon that eye, and that man had brand new eyes. Because our God is the creative word. Come on, somebody. Amen. Our God took a couple of little fishes and five loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people. He spoke a blessing on it. He breathed on it. It multiplied, and he caused creative power to move in the earth. That same Jesus that I'm talking to you about hung on a cross. He was crucified. He gave his life. He was laid in a grave. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Do you know why? Because Jesus is life. How can death hold life? Jesus only laid there for three days so he could go down to hell and torment the devil. 
The Bible says he went into hell, took Satan, and triumphed over him. That means that like the Roman soldiers, they would drag their, their enemies behind them. He, he literally drugged Satan up and down the corridors of hell, showing his power and dominion to every demon there ever was. And he set the captives free down there. It was a, that's a whole other story. But just before Jesus went away, he looked at Peter, John, Bartholomew, and Andrew, and he, and he breathed upon them. That same creative power, that same illuminating, glorious power of God, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And when he did that, he imparted into them his nature, his life, his power, everything that he is, he gave to them. He gave them the power of authority, uh, of attorney, excuse me, a power of attorney to be able to move in the earth and do what he does. Somebody say amen. amen. Our God's the God of yes to life. Yes to life. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. You never find Jesus saying no. He always says yes. Read it in your scripture. He always says yes. He is the yes God. Now the Hebrew word for yes is the word kin, K-E-N, like, like a name that we would call Kenny or Ken. That's the, that's the Hebrew word for yes. It's actually written with two uh, symbols. It's kind of a U with two lightning bolts going in on the inside of it. Two lightning bolts with a U. That's how it would actually be written. It literally means freely give life. The word yes means freely give life. It's an action word. It means the opening of a hand. I open my hand. I say yes to life. Yes to life. I give you yes to life. That's what the word literally means. John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have uh, abundant life. It's not something that we can earn, but it's an abundant life where God literally extends his hand out and says yes. Yes, I'm going to give you. I don't want you to have incremental increase. I want you to have abundance. Yes. Look at your neighbor. Say yes. The Hebrew word for priest is the word kohan. It's, it, the word picture here is the same thing as the, as the U with the two lightning bolts in it. But this time, there's, it's, it's, it, there's also a backwards E on the outside of it. It means freely reveal life. So the function of a priest, the function of a leader in a church is to reveal life. More accurately, it's to reveal the heart or the life of the yes. So our job, all of us today, everyone in this room, our job is to reveal the yes of God to the culture that we live in. We are supposed to be in the streets saying yes to life, yes to his love, yes to his truth, Yes to his power. Yes to everything about. If somebody comes and they have a question, the answer is? The answer is? That's the question. Okay, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because God is a God of the yes. The Bible says you're a royal priesthood. That you can proclaim the praises of him that called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Man, what a powerful scripture. Do you love the Lord? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. All of that, all of that, thus saith the Lord. And all of those things I've now wrapped up. Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. 
He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. But before he left, he gave us the yes. He gave us the authority. He gave us the power that we might be able to go out and represent him in the world around us. And so you don't say, you and I don't say, thus saith the Lord. We don't say, verily, verily, I say unto you. We get to say it this way, in the name of Jesus. Oh, amen. We have the privilege, the opportunity, and the grace of God to be able to say, in the name of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, in the name of Jesus. Moses could not say in the name of Jesus. Isaiah could not say in the name of Jesus. John the Baptist could not say in the name of Jesus. But every one of you, every one of us in this room can say in the name of Jesus. And when you do, all heaven goes on alert. The courtroom of heaven is immediately silenced. Everybody understands the power of, of God has entered the room. Everything changes. When you say in the name of Jesus, I want you to know hell shuts its doors. Amen. When you say in the name of Jesus, I want you to know heaven opens its doors. When you say in the name of Jesus, angels are released because he's the Lord of hosts. When you say in the name of Jesus, demons begin to flee because he's the Lord God Almighty. When you say in the name of Jesus, the devil runs like a coward. There's power in his name. Yes, he saves. Saves from what? The heartaches, the hurts, the, the brokenness, the, the sin, the ugly things that have happened. Yes, he'll save you. Yes, he'll heal you. I myself struggle with liver cancer. Seven years in a medical research center in San Diego. And God reached down into that room and touched my body and healed me. They cannot find cancer, hep C, or nothing else in my body. God Almighty healed me. That's the God we serve. God is still a God that heals cancer. He's still a God that heals heart disease. My little nephew, we've been praying for him. He's been six weeks in critical condition. Six weeks with machines keeping him alive. And suddenly, two days ago, everybody say suddenly. All of a sudden, God began to move. His body started reacting. They said, we got to get these tubes out of him quickly. Get these tubes out. He's alive. He's alive. Something's happening here. Our God delivers. Not proud of my past, but I was in heroin. I had a lot of problems. I did a lot of drugs, did a lot of things you have no ideas about. Thank God I'll never tell you. But our God delivers. He delivers, man. He sets you free. He changes you on the inside so you can live different on the outside. Yes, sir. I couldn't get free from those drugs because on the inside I was still a drug addict. But God came in and drove that out and put himself in. Yes, he gives life. He gives light. He gives revelation. He gives power. He gives authority. He gives power of attorney. He is the son of the living God. Who is this Jesus? He's the big yes. He's the yes and amen. He says, yes, I'll help you. Yes, I'll touch you. Yes, I'll change things around. Yes, I can restore your marriage. Yes, I can bring your children home. Yes, I can heal you. This is the God we serve. This is who Jesus is. He's alive. He's real. He's powerful. And he's here to touch your life this morning. What a great day it is. Can we reverently bow our heads just for a moment? 
just for a moment. You've come today as a guest or a friend or you've just come by yourself. You just wanted to go to church because something deep inside knows that you need to honor Jesus on Easter at least, the greatest day in human history. But this year you need to change that just a little bit. You need to let the yes enter into your life. You need to let God touch your soul. You need to understand that before the beginning of time, He was, He is, He'll always be. And He wants to love you and touch you and help you. He can restore your marriage. There is more evidence historically that Jesus Christ existed than that George Washington was the first president of the United States. Do you realize that? If you really want to live life, you're going to need Jesus inside because he is life. The rest of it's a substitute. The rest of it's fun, but it passes. It doesn't hold. It can't stay. It won't deliver, heal, and help. It won't bring health to you. But if you put life on the inside, and you, then you continue with doing the things you do with life on the inside of you, oh, what a difference it makes. To have life inside of you when you go to work. To have life inside you with your children. To have life inside you with your marriage. To have life inside you. Everything you do, when life is in you, what a difference it makes. Pastor Ray, this morning I want to surrender and I want to say, Lord, I want that yes in me. I want that life in me today. I want that in my life. I need that. I, I've got a, some situations nobody knows about. They don't know the wrestling that goes on inside my mind. They don't know the ugly stuff that's in there. I can't seem to get it out. I need yes to come and get it out of me. Pastor, will you pray for me before you close the service? Listen, I'm not here to embarrass you. We're not going to make you do anything weird. We're not going to make you sign up on nothing. We just want to pray for you, love you, care about you. If that's your request, I want you to slip your hand up high so I can see it. Set it right back down. I see this hand, this hand. I see this hand. Others of you, slip your hands up. I see your hand in the back, sir. God bless you. Others of you, slip your hand up to yes. Say yes to the Lord today. Say yes to the Lord today. Anyone else? God bless you, hon. God bless you on the side. God bless you so much. Anyone else? Lift your hands to the Lord right now. God's touching hearts. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you in the back, sir. Bless you. Thank God for you, man. Sometimes our pride, our ego gets in the way. We, we're so ashamed. You know what? I, I taught here. Look up at me for a moment. I taught one time that shame is the fear of disconnection. What it means is if, if you really knew everything about me, you wouldn't want to be around me. So I'm afraid you'll disconnect from me. So I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I don't want nobody to know. And shame will stop you from entering into what God has for you. The only way to beat shame is to become vulnerable. You have to take a risk. It's called faith. We have to say, you know what? I'm going to have faith in God. I'm going to take a risk that this will happen for me, that God will help me. Amen. There's powerful things that happen when we take that risk, when we step out in faith and say, God, I need you. I saw a man raise his hand back here, and for some reason, sir, I feel in my heart that was a big, big decision for you. It was a big thing for you. I don't know what tomorrow holds for you, but I know that that was an important moment for your life. 
Same for over on this side. There's certain times that you just got to slip into it. If you don't, you miss great opportunities. You could miss everything. Amen. I just mentioned my little nephew. Six weeks in intensive care. Millions of dollars. Here's what's interesting. Just a few weeks before he went in, before he was even sick, his wife was praying and the Holy Spirit came upon her. Life inside of her began to move and encouraged her to go to the school. She's a school teacher. And for $17 in Arizona, they can put a package on their insurance that means that there's no cap. It just pays forever. It stopped. They pay $2,500 deductible and the rest is covered 100%. She felt inspired to buy that package, bought that just before all this came down. Now the bill is over $6 million already and still growing. But there's no problem because she bought a package because yes, spoke to her. You just can't miss some moments in life. And I felt like some of you lift your hands today. That was those moments. I want us to stand together. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. We're asking you not to leave just yet. Please just bear with us for a few more moments. It's only 1110. You're going to beat every Baptist to the restaurant. You're in good shape. Every Baptist, you got them all beat. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Amen. I want to pray for our families this Easter. I want to pray that God just touch our families. We have families in this room here that are in separated, struggling, fighting behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on behind people's closed doors. They're hurting. They're struggling. I want to pray for our families. I want to pray for our children. I want to pray for our young single mothers. Amen. I want to pray for those women out there that have babies and have no man in their life and they're hurting, that God would just somehow touch them and help us to touch them. Can we pray for those? Can we pray for those? Before I pray that prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer that I want everybody to pray with me, and it's a prayer of salvation. And those that raised your hand, I want you just to close your eyes, block off everybody around you, and I want you to repeat the prayer with us. The only reason I'm saying it is because maybe you don't know what to say. I'm just trying to help you. But we're going to pray together, and you make it real from your heart. And God's going to hear your prayer, and something's going to shift because we're going to say in the name of Jesus in this prayer. And when we do, heaven's going to hear. But first thing, before you can have that power, you've got to accept Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus. I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose from the dead and today I accept you as my Savior come into my heart guide me direct me put the yes inside of me put your power and life inside of me I surrender to you today my entire life become the Lord of my life now you have the power to say these words with me. So let's all say it together. In the name of Jesus, we bind you, Satan. We bind you, devil. You have no right. You have no power in my life. Because my life belongs to Jesus Christ, the word of the living God, the living God, the son of the living God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come on, amen, come on, give the Lord a big praise.
Come on. Hallelujah. Lord, touch their hearts. Touch their hearts. I'm going to ask if you raise your hand, not to come right now, but after the service, when everybody's shaking hands, if you'd come down and just shake my hand. I'd love to shake your hand. I'd like to congratulate you and just partner with you in your endeavor. Let's do something, one thing together before we go. Let's sing a song together. Then we're going to pray for our families together. And then we're going to go eat till we're sick. And ask God to forgive us for what we've done. Amen. Because it's a sin what we're getting ready to do. You guys are all getting ready to sin, every one of you. I know you. <laughs> I was talking to a guy the other day. I couldn't believe it. I'm not originally from West Virginia, but I love this place. I was talking to a fellow the other day, and I said, do you guys eat vegetables? He goes, oh, yeah, we vegetables. Sure we do. Mac and cheese. <laughs> he was as serious as he could be. He thought that was a vegetable. That brother was hurt. Amen. Amen. Let's sing a song together just for a moment.
Now, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray for our families. We ask you, Lord, to heal those that are sick in their bodies, their mind, their hearts are broken. Heal. Bring compassion and love and power into their lives. We ask you, Lord, those that might be bound in drugs or some kind of addiction to alcohol or any other kind of addictive nature, that you will deliver them in the mighty name of Jesus. We release delivering power. Let every chain and bondage of hell be broken right now in Jesus' name. I pray for marriages. Lord, that there will be a grace to be able to forgive, a grace to be able to love, to have intimacy. Lord, I pray that you will move in homes and marriages, that our communication will be healthy, that our lives will be filled with love and joy, and our homes will find the strength of joy. I pray, Lord, for our businesses, our families that struggle with businesses and need income. Release prosperity. We bind lack and incremental increase, and we release abundance. We release prosperity. Give wisdom, God, and understanding how to increase in business and how to increase in finances so that the families might be blessed and your kingdom could be lifted and blessed so that we can propagate your name. We want to make you famous, Jesus. We want to represent you in a new and a fresh way to this generation. Lord, we want them to know who you are. Who is this Jesus? We want them to know the supernatural, the powerful, the loving, the grace-filled God that you are. We don't want them to see a punitive, angry God, but we want to see a God that is good and has nothing but good intentions. A God that is not mad at them, but a God that loves them. Help us, Lord, in our families, in our homes, in our city, in our businesses, in the government of this city, in our school systems, in everything that we do, Lord, in the media, in the arts and entertainment world. Let us lift your name again. Let us represent you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Say it with me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Next Sunday, I'm going to minister on forgiveness. Man, there's a great need there. But today, we still got to get this breakthrough. It's in the name of Jesus. No, I need to hear it. <laughs> that sounds like a junior high school. I need a college, I need, co I need a radical, like West Virginia, radical. Jesus, come on, Jesus, there you go. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, visit cogfwc.org slash giving. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more by following us on Twitter and Facebook.